Hey everybody, welcome to episode 109 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. Today I have Jeff, and he goes by the name of Calgary Guns on Instagram. Now it's really cool having a Canadian on to talk about what their gun laws are, because let's face it, they banned handgun purchases up in Canada. Well, if they're doing it in Canada, you know our politicians are trying to figure out how to screw us down here. It's really important to see what goes on in other countries, not only just ourselves, because, well, politicians love to copy other people's ideas. Before we talk to Jeff, it's time to pay the bills, and this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. Falco Holsters makes a holster to your specifications. You go to their website, you kind of figure out what color your leather is, the edging, stitching. They're going to hand make it and get it to you in about 10 days. Absolutely love Falco holsters. Go check them out and use the checkout code Banshee to save yourself 10% on your order. At Falco holsters, they're going to do this handmade holster and they're going to do it right because they can make a holster for every gun, any budget, without sacrificing quality. And trust me, I know. This episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Ammo Squared came up with a really cool like ammo management platform, like a digital management platform for ammo. Because let's face it, we get into some really weird times here and it's tough to get ammo, so it's time to stock up on ammo. You can do that at Ammo Squared. Go out there, buy your ammo. You can either do one-time purchases or you can kind of do like almost like a 401k thing where they take just a little bit of money every month and you put it in ammo. You can buy your ammo, you can, you can return your ammo, you can exchange calibers, and you can even ship it anywhere. So let's just say you're going to go to a competition, you can buy a bunch of ammo and have it shipped right to the competition, you know, to your hotel there. It's an amazing platform. Go check it out. Have a link down below. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Jeff. Jeff, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah, um, I'm Jeff Taylor. Uh, I have a Instagram uh, account, Calgary Guns. I, uh, you know, I post a lot of fun stuff on there. Uh, me and my son and a few friends just uh, having fun with with our guns out, typically out in the wilderness. Uh, and I've been I've been a gun guy since probably when I was 12 years old, when my dad let me shoot his old uh, Winchester Model 1904 single shot 22. So, yeah, nice, nice. Now you just had a, a milestone a couple of months ago on your Instagram. You just you hit your thousand. That's actually yeah. how the two of us met. Yeah, yeah. You were my Instagram. thousandth. I was. Yeah, you were just yeah, like, yeah. hey, you're my thousandth follower. I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah and uh, it's it's a pretty big milestone, especially you know for Canadian uh, gun uh, accounts. There's not a lot that have hit a thousand. The you know, one of the bigger ones that aren't a corporate, right? One of the bigger ones has about 5,500. So like to give you an idea of how big accounts up here are, I know I, I see in the States, there's lots that are over 10, 10,000, yeah. right? But up here in Canada, it's not, not quite that big. Yeah, it's a little more, it, it, yeah, those accounts are more social. I'm using air quotes for those of you on the audio side, social influencers. <laughs> um, yeah. Not, sometimes not really gun people. <laughs> True, true, yeah. Some social influencers who have get have a few guns in there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Some somehow they're they're like the next Kardashians uh, of guns. Um, yeah, no, I get that. It's it's tough. Um, uh, I actually had lost my 
initial Instagram account. It's still there. Uh, Instagram just doesn't let me into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's, a little, yeah. there's a little tiff between Instagram and myself. So I had to start all over again. Wow. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. not like I live on Instagram, but it, it happens. But. Yeah, I uh, I do try to be careful not to, you know, break the rules, step on too many toes. Uh, I do, you know, I have some political stuff, mostly in my stories, not on the main page. Right. Because I do try to keep my main page just focused on the guns, right? Pictures of guns, pictures of videos of us shooting guns, music videos that I've made of <laughs> montages well, or whatever, right? So One of the best yeah. videos series that you have is the cooking with guns. Yeah, yeah, I did two of those, and that, I'm trying to think of a few others to do. Hysterical. Well, you know what? My wife does uh, Tupperware. She she used to. She just retired recently from that, uh, and so occasionally I would do a cooking demo for her, and it was cooking with Jeff, right? So this is just like a takeoff <laughs> on cooking with Jeff, and you know, get a toy gun in case for anyone who haven't seen these. I get a toy gun, put it in the oven, and pull a real gun out, right? And uh, it, um, it's not my original idea. I, I saw someone do it, and I just I thought it's it was just, pretty it's fun. fun. It's yeah. funny, though. Yeah, try to pull something similar, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we used to joke around here where we had, like, um, when 3D printing guns was starting to hit, gosh, was that, like, five years ago or three three or five years ago, where people were taking, like, like an AR-15 and sticking it in their inkjet printer. It looked like it was, like, the inkjet printer was printing out an AR-15 and... Um, it's just it's fun stuff like that, right? I mean, that's that's what makes it fun to be on social media. Sorry, my my son is just poking his head in. Yeah, no problem. So is that the sun? Yeah, the three D printing. Yeah, and you pretend. I I wonder if that's why there's a lot of people with a false impression that you can literally print an entire gun. Yeah, uh, you know, I suppose you can print a, a gun that maybe you can use twice or something, maybe. But uh, well, there's people who think you can print like a real gun. It's like, well, not really. You need to put some metal parts in there. Yeah, you got to put some metal so, into it. Um, yeah. No, and there are, I mean, there are, it's so funny. We're talking about 3D printed guns when, was it a, a week ago right there in Calgary, you guys had a big police raid where there were yeah. 3D printers and people out of people's houses. Um, yeah. There, there are, the designs are getting there where, I mean, it's not, you still need to do work to them, right? I mean, people yeah. literally think that you're going to print a Glock with the metal. It's just going to yeah. work, right? And it's going to yeah, be yeah. untraceable. It's like, no, it, it well, doesn't work that way. The, the thing in Canada is the registered part is the frame. And so yeah. you can you can print a lot of that uh, and then just add parts, right? That you can just buy right. unregulated, right? Like, you know, the, the barrel, the... I don't know, the trigger mechanism, all of that you can yeah. buy without a license in Canada. And uh, so I, that, and that's, I'm sure what that rate, like I didn't, I don't know any details on it, but I'm sure that's what it was. People just printing frames. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. what it is, is because your, your laws on that are very similar. I mean, that's the one thing that's very similar between our two countries in the United States. It's the frame is the firearm. Yes. Yeah. All the components that go into it are unregulated. Well, yeah. It, 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 depending on who's in office and who gets in what state, power, I guess each state has they a want, difference. They want to change. They want to change yeah. that around. But yeah, um, but that's kind of other than that. That's kind of where our similarities change between. Yeah, that's where they end. Almost yeah, they almost where right? they end. I mean, yeah. that's like the one thing we agree we agree on is the <laughs> the receiver is the gun. Yeah, the receiver. Yeah. 
everything else is really different. So would you mind walking us through how how do you buy a gun in in Canada? Okay, well, yeah, I can start kind of at the beginning. Um, so if you, you know, like if a guy from my work, he wants to buy a gun. So I said, hey, I'll, I'll, what you got to do is do the safety course first. That's the first step. So I organize, I've actually organized the safety course for a couple of guys from work. They're going to do that soon. And uh, so you do the mandatory safety course. There's a re- the non-restricted is minimum uh, eight hours. Uh, and then the handgun course or the restricted, which is primarily handguns, uh, is an additional six hours. Unless you do them within two weeks of each other, then you can do it in four. Just because it covers yeah. a lot of the same stuff, right? Right. Uh, and that is that that's regulated minimum by law. Uh, the instructor has a PowerPoint that he's been given by the government. He has to go through, uh, and then there's hands-on aspect of the course. It's actually a pretty good course. Like if someone doesn't know anything about guns, uh, it really gives them uh, some good exposure and definitely some safety. Some of the safety processes they teach are a little weird. Like I, I'm not really a yeah. supporter of them, but whatever, they're fine. Uh, so that's step one. And then there's a there's a test, uh, both written and hands-on. Uh, once you pass, uh, and almost everybody passes if they were paying attention. It's not like yeah. it's not rocket science. Uh, so once you pass that, then you send in an application, and um, and that takes again a mandated minimum twenty eight days. They can't do it any faster. Now, ever since COVID, it's been way longer than that. Anyway, it's yeah. um, it, it varies depending on various aspects, but it can take anywhere from six weeks to four months uh, is kind of typical uh, since COVID. Um, And that's if there was nothing weird with your application. Okay. Uh, We can get into that in a minute. Uh, So in the application, they do a a thorough background check. Uh, Your spouse or conjugal partners has to sign off. And uh, that's a domestic violence uh, thing, right? And then there's also a phone number in case you force them to sign off. They can call later, okay? Okay. And that and that's right on there. Um, what else? Oh, you have to have some references. And then there's the five personal uh, history questions, and that's where I was mentioning if your your application is complicated. So it's have you ever been convicted of a crime you haven't been pardoned of, right? Um, have you uh, ever been treated for behavioral problems? Okay. Um, I don't remember. Oh, have you recently lost your job? Um, I don't. I don't remember the time frame on that one. Um, uh, have you recently been divorced? Again, I'm not sure the time frame on that. It might be a, a two years, maybe. I think. And those are suicide related, right? They don't want. Yeah. You know, they don't want you getting a gun and killing yourself with it right away. Yep. Uh, and then you, yeah. So you send that away. They, you know, process that. You get your you get your gun license. And then once you get the gun license in the mail, you can just go to a store, buy a non-restricted, they give it to you right there. You can buy it online. This is a big departure from you guys. They just mail it to your house, Canada Post. And it's supposed to be signed for, but Canada Post isn't great at actually (laughs) collecting signatures. I've had a gun just left on my doorstep. Okay. So, (laughs) and you hear, like, if you go on the Canadian forums, you hear all kinds of stories. Well, deliver to a neighbor's house or, you know, whatever. Uh, So, um, now for restricted firearms, so that's um, mostly handguns or short-barreled uh, long guns, uh, or for unknown reasons, the um, 
a high power model 10 shotgun i don't nobody knows why that's on the list but anyway uh for those ones somebody's pet, uh somebody's pet they just put it yeah. on the list <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i don't even know how many are in canada i'm sure not very many but uh you have to you buy it they then the whoever you bought it from whether it's a private sale or from a store they send in a transfer request the government kind of like double checks your your license uh and you have to show that you have a lawful reuse for it uh so like a lot of provinces you have to have a range membership if you don't have a range okay. membership they won't give it they won't transfer it to you. ontario and alberta are the two exceptions to that uh, but you do have to say like, oh, I'm going to a, a range that I'm allowed to just do drop-in shooting uh, because restricted, so yeah, there's always another aspect. Restricted firearms, you can only use at a range, a government-approved range. You can't take them out into the forest, okay? Okay. So uh, they they submit the, the transfer request. Once that's approved, it, and again, depending on province, because the that aspect is provincially regulated, the um, the chief firearms officer is a prov provincial position, so once yeah. he approves it, he or she or the office, I guess it's not actually the the chief firearms officer. Once their office approves it, they send you an email. Then you go to the store, pick it up, or the shop will mail it to you or whatever, right? Um, so uh, and then then you have your gun. So yeah, that's how you get a gun. It's a, lo a long process if you're starting from scratch for sure. Well, let's let's say you you have your your firearms license that you can buy a gun. Um, yeah. You go in and buy a shotgun. How, yes. how long is that process? Uh, well, because a shotgun is non-restricted, it's uh, it literally the reason takes why minutes. I chose shotgun was it be easiest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's you know not too short and considered well. Right. <laughs> there, there again, it's a, there's it's, less technicalities, it's, it's but like a hunting. Yeah, like a normal yeah, like a duck like gun. action, duck hunting, yeah. Yeah, so you go to the store, they just have to, like, there's a, a a portal, a commercial portal they log into just to make sure that your license isn't isn't fake or hasn't yeah. been suspended or something. And then, uh, and that takes, normally that just takes a minute or two. Uh, there are times when there's, like, network congestion yeah. or something, and it might take uh, 10 minutes. But normally you just go, literally you just go to the gun counter. They won't normally let you hold a gun, most shops, unless you show them your license anyway. So they've already seen your license and they, yeah, yeah they, you just pay, yeah. walk away. That's it. Take it up to the car. So how about a restricted? You want to go in and buy a pistol? Okay. So again, like I was mentioning, it's it varies by province. So here in Alberta, especially now, we have a new fire, chief firearms officer who's very um, pro-gun. Uh, and That's helpful. Yeah, so her office is pretty quick. So, you know, if you buy a gun on a Saturday, let's say, the problem is the office is closed. Right. So Monday morning, uh, you call the office and they'll approve it on while you're on the phone and then you can go get your gun. If you buy it on a weekday, you could just go to the car, call them and then come back in and get your gun that's in alberta though if you don't call sure. it's going to take a week or two just for it to go through the process um okay. other provinces i've heard all kinds of things uh and again it depends on what's going on too like last summer sure. uh, i don't know if you're familiar with that but last summer they announced that they were going to freeze the purchase of handguns okay so this is a whole yes. other thing i haven't mentioned we can actually can't buy handguns right now yeah 
it has been but frozen. That, so that was, they that announced was gonna be that lead into the, the yeah, whole yeah. handgun ban. <laughs> yeah. So last summer when they announced the freeze, everybody who had a restricted license bought multiple handguns. Literally every handgun in every store in Canada sold out. Anyone who had online presence. Okay. And uh, there was massive wait. So like I know Ontario, it was four plus months wait. Uh, Alberta, wow. it was more like, I think it was four or six weeks. It was, it was a little quicker, but um, yeah. So yeah, I guess when we were talking about the process, I, I forgot to mention that you can't buy handguns right now. Yeah. You can buy other restricteds and it is that same process. So short barrel rifle um, or that, that high power model 10. <laughs> that cracks me up. That's just so, that's just the weirdest weirdest thing to see on, on a list. Yeah, and a short barrel rifles. So that it's kind of complicated, right? Semi-automatics with a barrel less than eighteen and a half inches is restricted, right? With if the overall length is less than twenty six, those are for uh, semi-automatics. If it's not semi-automatic, um, I believe as long as you haven't modified it to be less than twenty six. So it can come from the factory, like the there's those like that way. Yeah. yeah, there's those like little sh shotguns. I guess I can't yeah, see little, my like screen, but with like the, that like bird's head waves, grip yeah. or whatever, and yep. they can be really short and they're still non restricted. But if you were to do that yourself, then then it's I restricted or maybe even prohibited. Yeah, and so that's a whole <laughs> other class we haven't mentioned is prohibited hand uh, prohibited guns. Uh, and you, you can't get a prohibited license unless you're a, like a business or if you're grandfathered in for some reason, like I know my brother has a prohibited handgun that, uh, and license that he inherited it from my grandmother who inherited it from her grandmother. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a few avenues like, you know, I, it, it's funny where you talk about where it's different from province from province to province on yeah the, the laws are the same it's the processes that might be a little different right. yeah right so and that's that's where i think a lot of the difference between our two countries is because depending on you know i, I was a i was an ffl so i was a gun dealer for 10 right. years here in montana um i know montana laws i mean yes basically Mon montana laws are whatever the federal government comes up with that's our law you know um there's a few there's a few few tweaks here and there but basically whatever the federal government is montana just just doesn't as opposed to california <laughs> or yeah. new york where it's well we have this roster and you can only have these guns on these rosters. Right. Um, and i've talked to a couple of californians where they were uh they were law enforcement so they were allowed to own those guns but then they retired and now oh, they no. own a gun that is prohibited for them to own. So yeah. they basically yeah. had to sell the gun right before they left the force. To another police officer. To, to another police officer or back to a gun dealer. Right. Um, because they're, you know, it's like, I've used this gun for X number of years as a law enforcement officer. Now all of a sudden it's prohibited from, yeah. It, so you get, you get some weird things like that that goes on and, um, that's where that I think that's where uh, some people are confused about the gun laws in the United States because we yeah. have we have our overall uh, federal gun laws, but then our states can be can always be more restrictive than our federal, and it just depends on yeah. what 
what state I, you're in depends on what, what they're going to do. In Canada, because the criminal code is a is federal jurisdiction, uh, it's kind of it, it is federal, right? The provinces don't have that right, except for Quebec, because they're given special privileges. I, I don't know if you know the history of Canada, but yeah, when the British beat the French in Quebec. They needed the French and the French's indigenous allies to defend against you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they gave them a bunch of uh, of special rights. So Quebec is kind of a special case in Canada. Uh, but generally, the laws are still the same there. They just have uh, a few extra laws. They have a registry, which the rest of Canada no longer has. Um, well, that's interesting. I, thought, I, to, you, I was thinking that you guys still had a registry up there. No, the last time we had a conservative government, they uh, they um, mandated that it was destroyed. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around that. It would appear that it wasn't actually destroyed, that somebody kept it on a memory stick. Uh, yeah. Because there's actions the, federal the, the current liberal federal government has taken that doesn't make sense if they didn't have access to that old registry. However, there's been, like, obviously a lot of people have bought and sold guns since then, right? So... You know, it becomes of less and less use as time goes by. But so that would have been 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. So how do in Canada, you know, in the United States, again, depending on what state you're in, um, I can sell a firearm privately. Right. Yes. If I want to sell a firearm to my next door neighbor, um, I can I'm allowed to do that in, in Montana. Uh, what happens if your buddy, like, hey, Jeff, you know, I, I really want to buy that gun. How would how would that work? Okay, uh, so I, again, I, well, I should have mentioned this in the last. Right, let's assume I should have mentioned this. Right, in the last uh, section, whatever I just said, I should say that was for non-restricted, restricted yeah. handgun, like restricted firearms, like handguns, short barrel, semi-automatics. Uh, they is there is a registry for that and it's it's very it's very restrictive right hence the name restricted uh so yeah. if it's for again if you're we're talking a duck gun a duck shotgun or whatever so a non-restricted and my next door neighbor who has a license wants to buy a gun from me uh that changed last summer so now you have to call a phone number and verify their pal so if they can't have a fake or expired or whatever pal, uh, sure. pal is our or the name of our firearms license here is a pal. So uh, you verify their firearms license. You get a reference number for that verification. I don't, uh, just so I probably everyone suspects it's a backdoor gun registry. Uh, yeah. But anyway, you get you don't have to tell them what gun you're selling, and you don't even have to end up selling the gun, right? So it's not a very if it's being used as a backdoor registry, it's not very effective. But that's, uh, so you do you have to, and that's it. And then you just give them the gun. That's it for non-restricted. For us, you know, it, when we when we again, depending on what state, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, it it's it your that check is a lot like our next check here. Like when mm -hmm. I'm a firearm, you know, I'm a firearms dealer. Uh, someone comes to buy buy a firearm from me, and they do not have a concealed carry permit. I have to do it by Montana law. I have to do a background check through the NIC system. Right. And then I get a number and I, I put that on their 4473, which is our form to fill out. Um, and that's the thing is people are, uh, talk a lot about, you know, our NIC system is backdoor registry. 
Well, the thing is, is that I can, <laughs> that person could walk out of my shop with 15 ARs. Yes. Or yeah. one. Or, or one, zero. Or one. Or zero. Well, or zero. Yeah, it could have. It could have. The transaction could have fallen through. So, and that's the thing is that the the federal government doesn't know. They just know that a background check was happened. They have no yes, idea yeah. what was what they were buying, wh whether it was a handgun, a pistol, you know, a, you know, a, a revolver, or a pistol, uh, an AR, or a shotgun, or a, and that's and the thing. No, is that, yeah, if they're, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And that's the thing is that yeah these these registry, I I could see where the government would be interested that Joe over here bought something or was in they didn't even say was interested in buying something that's about yes. all they could yeah. really deem from that yeah but at that point they could come to the F they could come you know inspect my books but right. yeah between my next door neighbor and I there's no check. There's um, no check. Okay. There's no check. Is that every state uh, or Montana? Just Montana. That, that's that's or, most states. Some most states, states. Uh, it'll requ they'll require. And that's where, um, like, you'll hear uh, our politicians talk about the gun show loophole. Yeah, I was oh just going to ask you about that. <laughs> these people can go to a gun show and buy a gun without a background check. No. <laughs> um, if, if, if I, as a private individual buys a table and sells my private collection to another person. Yeah, there's no background check. But right. me as a as a as a uh, as a licensed firearm dealer, I still have to do a background check on you. Right. Yeah. Um so yeah that's that's where they talk about the loophole. They don't tell you the whole uh, imagine that politicians yeah. don't tell you the whole truth, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's the that's the gun hole that's the gun show loophole. Like they 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 make it look like you're going into a gun bazaar in downtown Fallujah during a war, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's not, not quite, quite like not that. Quite like that. And then yeah. if you're in a state, uh, in certain states where uh, private transfers do require a background check, um, that's even that's thrown out the window mm -hmm. because at that point I still need to use I still need to use another gun yeah. dealer to do the background check for me. Oh, okay. So they would have to have a gun dealer act as a third party. Yeah, if there's a third party. And and mm. I've had that as a gun dealer where people have sold have done private transfers. The the trick is is that if you do a private transfer, you want it documented really well. Okay. Yeah. Because if for some reason the the trace of you know, let's say um, you know, this pistol shows up at a crime scene. Yeah. And they trace that all the way back to you. You want to make sure you have paperwork that yeah. you actually sold it to that person, right. or else they're going to start investigating you for the crime. Um, mm -hmm. So I got a lot. I used to get people that would do. Um, they go, "Hey, look, I've sold a gun to X Y Z, um, you know, person. I want to do the transfer, but I want to do it at your shop." So I'd be like, "Okay, yeah. no problem." So both both parties would come in. I would log, I, you know, I would log that I received the gun from this person. The next person would fill out our 4473, would go through the background check if they didn't have a concealed carry permit. Um, if they had a concealed carry permit, I'm documenting that on their form. because right. I have to document that that's why I didn't do one. And then I would log it out of my book to the other person. So that way, 
if the gun ever shows up, the police goes, hey, your firearm showed up because I sold that to a private person and it went through this gun dealer. That way there's yeah. a whole paper trail. Yeah. But, yeah, but there you, you don't yeah. have to do that. Right. So in Montana, you don't yeah. have to do that. In Montana, right. you don't have to do that. Yeah. Most Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, most of these Western yeah. states here. Right. Um, right. Uh, even a couple of the, the southern states, it, it that's you know the same thing. But yeah, it's it's just kind of weird. Um it's when we when we talk about gun laws in the United States, it's almost like you have to look at each state as almost its own country with yeah, its laws. I've, I've looked into doing concealed carry in the States a bit. Um, you know, I had thought, you know, I travel to Idaho fairly often and I thought it would be kind of a, a neat uh, thing to do considering like we, we cannot do that here at all. Like uh, we yeah. can go into that in a minute, but um, uh, I could see, yeah, every state is so different and it's changing fast. Like, there's so many more with um, permitless carry, but then it's complicated. Well, who does permitless carry apply to, right? Does it apply it, to yeah. me as a Canadian who's visiting, a non-resident, right? Uh, and then uh, is it, uh, depending on the laws, I know for a visitor who comes from a non-visa required country, it's different than a visa required country, Yeah. right? So you know, I actually had sent in my paperwork to the ATF to be, you know, to bring my handguns or a few guns across the border. And uh, being a Canadian in a country that doesn't require a visa to visit the United States, it was fine, right? I don't need a reason. Yeah. I don't need anything. I just, I, I just do it, right? Uh, but the ATF has to approve the form, right? right. The six NI, I think it's called six NIA is I think what the form is called. Uh, and they're they're pretty quick, actually. I was surprised. I thought I, I was emailing this well, into a black hole of the ATF, but no, they're pretty quick. Actually. But you got to remember, we have a lot of people from other countries that come into the United mm. States for hunting, right? Right? Yeah. Because you know you have you have hunting guides like even here in Montana, people will come through to you know go hunt elk and and stuff like that, or you know, so. They're used to guns flowing in and out of the country mm -hmm. for sporting. Right. You know, I know people here in the United States, they'll go over into like Africa for big game hunting and, and things like that. Yeah. So they're guns flowing in and out for sporting purposes, they're used to. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um so so I, I can see where they would approve that because at that point that's tourism for us. Right. And tourism, yeah. tourism's money. <laughs> Storm's yeah, they didn't like it when I put my Chinese SKS on the form, though. They, they didn't appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. There's um, yeah. importing of certain guns. Uh, yeah, it's is, it's funny, is like illegal, right? Um, and one of the reasons I'm not planning to do the concealed carry down there is because of coming back to Canada now that handgun sales have been frozen. It's a lot harder to get your gun back to Canada. Back it in, used to be easy. Yeah. yeah. Now you have to, ahead of time, you have to fill out a form with, uh, It's it'd be the equivalent of your state department. I don't know what it's called up yeah. here, but, uh, and it costs money. It's like a hundred something dollars. And it just, to, it's like, why would I do that? I could buy a cheap gun down there. No, yeah. I, I, as a Canadian, I'm probably not allowed to buy a gun down there. But anyway. You, you would uh, need to be a resident. You would right, need I'd have to be a resident. Alien. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, right. you could be a resident alien. Um, yes. So you don't need to be, yeah, you don't need to be um, a United States citizen. 
Right. But you would need but as a non-resident. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be, as a non, we, we yeah. call it res, We just call it resident alien because I know I know a couple of Canadians that live in the United States. That okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know they live here and work mm -hmm. here and they have their non-resident alien. So we a green card. Um, yeah. And um, they're they're allowed to own firearms. Um, yeah. Even though they're not a, even though they're not a U.S. citizen, they can still own firearms. Right. So yeah, it, there there's some hoops to jump through to to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I was thinking yeah. about like I I recently built an, an M1 Garand and um, I, I saw of the pictures that down of that. there. You, yeah, you're, I don't know. I don't you're, think you're I'm allowed to. Heart. Yeah, I don't think I'm allowed to bring that into the states. I don't think uh, I'm not a. Because it is I, a, um, it is like a military, a non-American military. Well, it, but it, it depends. So, um, if it's an M1 Garand, it was the receiver was more than likely built, manufactured in the United States. It, this is actually an Italian made. It's made by Breda. Oh, the Breda. So oh, so you got for, the Breda one. Okay. No, yeah. no, and it's not Beretta. Yeah, they Beretta made them. This is Beretta, B R B R E D. Oh. Beretta. Oh, uh, a. yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think it's a it's a related company, but it is. I don't know. It was, it's it like was made off, for the Dutch, yeah. actually. So it has the Dutch crown on the uh, heel stamp. Oh, that's and cool. so yeah, it's kind of neat. There's a lot of those in Canada, actually. A lot of the the Italian grands. Not that many. There's not actually that many um, like Springfield or Winchester grands in Canada. Yeah. That's funny. Um, well, it's funny is uh, we used to, God, there used you used to be able to buy them because I bought my uh, <laughs> I bought my M1 Grand when I was in college, so yeah, that was wow. early nineties, um, and gosh, if I sold that gun right now, it'd be worth a fortune. Um, uh, my so my serial number, mine's a Springfield. My serial number is nine. 1940 i think it's like early 44 okay so and mine was repatriated through um through the pacific so mine okay mine did not come back after the war so that therefore it was mm. probably given away to um uh the koreans right and during the yeah. korean war we we gave away a lot of firearms so it was repatriated back in through you know basically through korea um, did that come through CMP or did that? Um, no, that that no. that was actually imported. Someone someone oh, went okay. out and bought. You know they you know the Koreans were getting rid of their M1 Grands because they didn't need them. Right. Um, so they had a whole warehouse full of M1 Grands, and then people just bought them, applied for the import licenses, and brought them mm -hmm. in. Okay. Um, and then there was a whole stink about it whether they did it legally. <laughs> right. <laughs> After, after yeah. they got here, there was a big stake. There was a couple of companies got investigated for uh, questionable firearms import practices. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, yeah. There are certain guns like uh, an SKS or an AK. Uh, yeah, there's there's a reason why Kalashnikov is in Florida, right? Because right. they're building oh. AKs inside the United States to not right. have to deal with those. Well, and then now with the war going on in Ukraine, that's even harder yeah. for Russian stuff. To yeah, so, you know, we've, 
like that SKS is actually an interesting thing in Canada because um, I, I always used to look on the forums and in the States, people are paying a lot of money and treating them like they were collector's items. And I'm thinking I can go and buy one at Cabela's for 180 bucks. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, but, what's um, going on? You guys are crazy. And so, yeah, we've been able to buy Chinese and, and Russian SKSs just like wherever for really cheap. Uh, obviously, with COVID, the price of everything went up. Uh, and now with the war in the Ukraine, I don't think I don't think you can buy anything from Russia and Canada anymore. I think there's kind of an embargo. Right. So, yeah, um, that's but. But you can get Russian ones that were that are currently in other countries, right? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I think don't you guys have it? If you know if there were Russian SKSs in like I don't know Yugoslavia for forty years, then you can. Yeah, it's, or something it's along got, that line. yeah. They they have they have some timelines on there to keep from bypassing, you know, mm -hmm. the import. But it's yeah, it, it's so funny because I remember. Uh, I bought an SKS uh, again in the nineties when I was in, in college and those things were just dirt cheap. Um, and then, yeah, you, I had a, I had a customer who collected SKSs. Oh yeah. And I, I didn't understand. I was like, whatever. I didn't, I, I didn't really care about SKSs, but then when I started doing transfers for this guy, I learned so much about SKSs. Like, he had one that came in. This thing was destroyed, was absolutely destroyed. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. He goes, yeah, you don't get it. I bought that pretty cheap. I go, I, I hope you did. He goes, you understand. This is a Russian SKS that was built in China. I'm like, what? Okay, because yeah. This is when the right, Russians yeah. went down to China to teach them how to build SKSs. He goes, this wow. is all Russian parts just assembled in China. And he's, right. I was like, how do you know that? He goes, well, it's this stamp on the side. And he he knows all these stamps. And it's like, I learned so much about SKSs from this guy. It's just like, I had no idea that these things were like that collectible here. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah SKS people, like the guys who love them, love them. And um, there's just like any gun, there's a lot of history, right? And yeah. Um, uh, I I have a couple, and you know I I enjoy shooting them. They're a lot of fun to shoot, and they're cheap to shoot. If you don't mind shooting the corrosive ammo, we still get fresh, well, fresh from the, fresh from the nineteen seventies corrosive <laughs> ammo coming into Canada. Right during COVID, wow. again supply chain there were issues, but you can get it again now, and uh, well, and prices have gone up since then. But they're still it's still the most affordable center fire to shoot center fire rifle what, caliber. What's funny is during COVID you could not get primers in the United States if you're a reloader. Right. But in Canada, you guys were like swimming in them and we were just like, yes, can, can you guys like ship some of that stuff down yeah. here? <laughs> and all the dealers were getting fed up with Americans calling They're like, no, yeah. no, we cannot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. Whenever you guys have ammo shortages, uh, it, it seems like we get a lag, but there's a lag, right? So everyone's complaining they can't get ammo in the States. And we're like, well, we have everything here. And then just as you're starting to kind of solve it, we start running short here. I've never seen it where you couldn't get ammo here, like has happened down there. But yeah. it becomes, well, there's not a lot of selection. You kind of take what you can get, right? Right. And even now, ever since COVID, the, the selection is not like it used to be at all. Like, 
you kind of you have like if you're going to buy nine millimeter at Cabela's, there might be five different things to pick from. There's not, you know, there's not a huge selection. That's funny. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking of two years in specific that I would have killed to have a selection of five different. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and be able to buy more than two boxes. Right. Yeah. I haven't seen that either where it's like limited to two boxes. Let's I've never seen that happen here. There was a time when I wasn't shooting that much, that much where 22 long rifle was apparently very difficult to find. That would have been, I guess, in the early two thousands, I guess. I don't know what the deal was there, but. It's, it's so funny. I remember uh, years ago, I took, I took my uh, father-in-law out shooting. Uh, they uh, they lived on the east coast. And they came out here to visit, and I go, hey, you want to go to the, to the range? He's like, yeah, sure. I mean, he's not a, he's not a huge gun guy, but it's like, all right. So um, I I converted my AR down to twenty two for him, so he can shoot twenty okay, twos. Right. So we were at the range, and man, we were shooting twenty twos like it was going out of style. We we're just having a good old time. Yeah, and then like everybody walk, walking by was like staring at us, right? And our father in law's like. What's wrong with these people? I go, they think we're rich. Just, <laughs> why? I go, because we're shooting 22s. Right. It's like, it's the cheapest thing in the world. I go, you literally can't Not buy right now. two right now. Yeah. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I go, you can't get 22s right now. I go, we're out here yeah. just pissing it away. Like, yeah, we're just having a good time. Cutting into your stockpile. Yeah. Well, and he, yeah, he's just like, oh my God, am I shooting? I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not going to – we're we, I, I, at the time, we were still shooting 22s that we bought when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> you know? He bought his bulk. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, when I was a kid, it was like $10 a thousand, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we used to buy bricks for oh, – I, I can't even remember the price, but I think the cheapest I ever bought was just a pack of 50 from the Army and Navy. Do you guys have the Army-Navy store there? It's not nothing related yeah. to the actual Army and Navy. It's, no, we uh, – as a kid, even, it's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine about Army-Navy stores. Do you remember them? I remember as a kid, we used to have Army-Navy stores. It was all the right. surplus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I bought a box for like 60 cents or something, and that was the cheapest <laughs> – cheapest side ever paid but yeah it, it's funny it's hard to find actually right now it's kind of hard to find like generic cheap 22 now right now not not that you can't but it's not as common yeah. it seems like well most places have kind of like match grade and that kind of stuff and you're paying like ten dollars a box and i'm like ten dollars a box for 22 like yeah that's crazy i'm not I'm, i don't the I'm longest laughing. i've ever I'm, tried shooting is 100 meters with a 22 and so like i you don't need you don't need amazing ammo for that so well, that's funny because I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at an ammo shelf and I'm looking at all the 22 sitting there. I'm like, <laughs> no, um, it, none of it is the uh, the match grade, but there is like, there is now like that hyper accurate match grade a, a 22 ammo Sub, like, subsonic. Yeah, it's like the, yeah. all of a sudden, like high precision 22 became a thing. I yeah. Was like, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was saw a guy on on Instagram the other day talking about his um he was doing 300 meter shots with 22 yeah. and he's hitting his gong every time. I that that's impressive. <laughs> I'm sitting there uh, looking at going, I don't yeah. think I could see that far, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, that's I I know I typically where I go shooting like it's just in the wilderness typically 
And uh, here in Alberta, there's a lot of oil field work. So you get these abandoned oil wellheads and they're usually about hundred meters square, right? So that, that's kind of what I'm normally doing is hundred meter shots. And using the old Milser, like my Garand, uh, the, yeah. the front sight covers at least eight inches of target. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's funny. The that old battle so sights. I, I don't know. I shoot, uh, I shoot the SKS. I shoot the Garand. I prefer with those. I prefer just using battle sights. And with some people, you know, they put their SKSs in tactical stocks and put scopes on them and whatever, but that's almost, yeah, that's, that's almost not... sacrilegious <laughs> for a, uh, yeah. for an Emory Garand. Yeah. Um, well, well, every once in a while you do see uh like an actual appropriate period scope on there. The M1, which, uh, yeah, like the M1D sniper. Yeah. Yeah. And those are yeah. those are okay, but they're okay. But it's just like I don't know. Uh you know, it's funny, we used to it, here here in the United States we have what we call truck guns. Okay. Yeah, I, I had to ask somebody recently, I'm like, what is a truck gun? What was a truck gun? So, <laughs> so you know what a truck gun is. So yeah. we have the truck we have truck guns. And um, when we first moved to Montana, and I was back in 2000, my truck gun was my M1 Garand. Oh wow! <laughs> and people and people are like, an M1 Garand? Why? Why an M1 Garand? And I'm like, well, you get you guys got these things called bears out here that we're not used to on the East Coast, uh, and you get like really big ones. And they're like, yeah, but yeah. an M1 Garand? I'm like, you only get eight shots. I'm like, yeah, I only have eight shots, but it's a 15 pound rifle that can swing like a baseball bat too. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. And if I can't drop you with eight shots, so a 30 odd six, a 30 odd six, or like mine is in 308. I, I put a 308, yeah, bear in 308. On it. and uh, yeah, 30, same thing. If you can't take down yeah. a bear with eight shots of 308, you, it, you, well, des you deserve yeah. to be the sandwich that you just became. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. Well, one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is, you know, here in the United States, we have several organizations that fight for our gun rights. You know, we have mm -hmm. Gun Owners America, um, Firearms Policy Coalition, stuff like that. But up in Canada, NRA, of course, they're the big one. Down NRA. I, I saved them for last. I mean, even though I'm, okay. not, I'm a lifetime member, the NRA is just not what it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're great on the education side. Right. The the you know the, the advocacy the not so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting for the rights, they they tend to like take credit for everybody else's work. Right. Um, yeah, I saw some memes about that today. You know, firearms policy does these like lawsuits, and then the NRA takes credit for them. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> so um, so I wanted to bring something up. I'm going to bring this up into right. The yeah, show the CCFR. Here. Yeah. The CCFR. Talk to me a little bit about as I figure out yeah, how to so work my just, computer just, here. just for the record i i'm not associated with the ccfr other than the fact i'm a member okay so i'm not like a sports sure. person for them or anything but um they're a relatively new uh gun rights organization in canada uh i'm not sure around five years i guess that, um and they kind of i guess saw that there was no strong gun rights organization in canada um there there are some other ones but they they have not really had any success uh in defending our rights at all uh so the the ccfr was created and um they have a a, a fairly um reasonable kind of <clears throat> mindset uh that reflects most gun owners in canada 
they're not against the current the the general idea of the current um gun rules in canada uh so they're not you know they're not trying to say we shouldn't have to have gun licenses we shouldn't have to have safety training uh but what they are saying is you can't you shouldn't be allowed to just take our property away right you yeah. should need a good reason to ban a gun right you shouldn't just be able to ban it because it looks scary you know um and uh they've actually um they've had some success um recently last year the liberal government was trying to ban like basically every semi-automatic rifle center fire rifle out there including the sks and the m1 garand which of course is close yeah. to my heart uh and uh the ccfr uh partially to due to their advocacy also partially because the indigenous groups were quite upset because they use SKSs for hunting all the time the indigenous groups up here and uh they were not impressed with that and uh so um uh yeah I, they've had some success there they also have filed a lawsuit against in uh in 2020 the year 2020 uh the liberal government banned um they they keep ranting this number 1500 weapons of war whatever it was basically ar-15s uh and all their varieties as well as like the uh, the xcr or the xcr uh yeah, the bushmaster um uh yeah. no not the bushmaster uh uh anyway they, a handful of other semi-automatic you know black rifles right also um they intended to ban grenade launchers uh so they made this rule um anything bigger than 20 millimeter you know uh caliber uh which was dumb because grenades are already banned so people had grenade launchers as like museum pieces as like a novelty right. thing like they didn't have grenades to launch uh and the the thing was it also caught a lot of historic shotguns because anything there's a debate on do 12 gauges with removable chokes fall into that uh but definitely anything bigger than 10 gauge is definitely falling into that right so uh so anyway the ccfr filed a lawsuit on that uh the case was heard a, a couple months ago uh, the CCFR made an excellent case. It, you know, we all have high hopes. The decision hasn't been made yet. The judge wants to make sure to, you know, get all, all the, all the facts, and all the facts, right. And make sure not to mess up the, the decision, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We're really hoping that all those people uh, can get their guns back out and using them because currently they're just stuck in their safes. They're not allowed to take them to the range. They're not allowed to sell them. Um, they're just, they're they're stuck just in stuck, stuck in their safe. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's the, that, would, the, that F, would really suck. The, the M14 was part of that as well, which um, you know, a lot of people, you know, that's a, a very collectible yeah. gun too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's uh yeah, because the M14's uh one of my bucket lists. I mean you got an M1 grain, you gotta get you gotta go with the M14 too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean yeah. that's just the next that's just the next evolution of that rifle. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's yeah. funny. It's funny to hear you talk about that stuff because, I mean, gun rights issues. You know, when uh, we were talking offline beforehand um, a few years ago, I had an Australian on, and we talked a little bit about gun rights. 
it's funny to hear about gun rights issues in different countries because they they still kind of boil down to the same problems. Um, it's like, you know, we hear a lot of things about, oh, you know, school shootings. Yeah. As tragic as they are, they're like, we're going to ban a gun. The gun's not the problem, right? I mean, there's a there's an underlying problem. Um, yeah. You know, last, yeah, that guy last with mental on- illness uh, who did yeah. that, if they, you ban the AR-15, he'll either get one illegally or use something else, right? And yeah. in Europe, we see guys will do it with a machete or something, right? Yeah. So it doesn't... It, it, I, I heard a previous guest talking about uh, on your show talking about root cause and yep. and that's exactly that was, it the root cause Larry, is what needs yeah, to be Larry looked Smith at with the liberal gun club um yeah yeah talking to her about that root cause it is it, it it's amazing especially considering it's it's the liberal you know there there are a bunch of liberals um <laughs> but man they are really really um huge on gun rights and she's like I, I don't want I don't want my AR taken away because yeah. that's not the problem. We need to get down to the root cause of the problem, whatever that root cause is, yeah. um, and yeah. that's what we need. Because you know I think about this when you know when I was a kid, we never there wasn't school shootings when I was a kid. Um, so something has something's happened. Um, yeah, let's figure out what has happened and solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. the, one of the problems is that's not an easy solution, right? No, it's not. Uh, and and it's not a way to drum up votes, right? Saying, hey, we're going to start looking at what is causing people to be, you know, I, I'm not an expert on the, on the matter. So I'm just going to kind of right. spitball here. But, sure. you know, if we say, hey, mental illness because of childhood bullying is causing that it is the root cause, if that was the root cause, addressing that isn't. A, a way that you're going to drum up votes. It's not a way you're going to drum up donations. No. And no. so nobody want, nobody cares about, none of the political class care about that. And um, I guess it is up to, the, the funniest thing is, it's up to the gun rights organizations to push for root cause solutions because yeah. nobody else is going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. It's so, it's so funny that you just use political class because I call them the <laughs> ruling class. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I call our politicians the ruling class because if, if anybody has any question that there, there is a separate set of rules, at least in the mm-hmm. United States, yeah. I'm just saying that Hunter Biden committed a felony with a firearm and is going to serve no time in jail. Um, but if I did that, yeah, yeah, they threw the book at me. But yeah, no, it's yeah. I, I love why you say political class because yeah, I call them the ruling class. Um, yeah, it's there. There is, there, they have separate areas. Because, like, I saw a couple of months ago, uh, uh, Trudeau, you know, your, your prime minister, yes, like an old campaign video from him where he's like, guns are part of Canada's history. Yes. We're not going to take yeah. guns away. And I'm like, gee, that sounds a lot like a couple of politicians that, that unsuccessfully ran for president down here. Yeah. And then look at what Trudeau has done. Yeah, and that video was actually, if if I recall correctly, that was from before he was ever elected to anything, right? When right. he was just first starting yeah. to put his toe into politics, and like, it's funny seeing that video. He looks so young, right? Oh, I know. Looking back there, it, like he looks so it, young. It's like an old. It was like taken off like an old VHS tape because, like, 
the picture was kind of wobbly and it's like yeah you could Probably tell someone with just a camera that, like a a camera just did a video of this campaign yeah. stop or something yeah yeah it's it, it it is you know it's interesting our heritage minister our minister of heritage one of his duties is to defend canadian heritage right and like it or not firearms are an integral part of canadian heritage uh, much like like your heritage right now we didn't use guns to to um to break away from the from the united kingdom the way you you, right. you know the united states did but but it is part of our heritage between you know the frontier you know the settlers uh and just as sports shooting has always been a part of canada right well uh, I mean, if, if you look at canada's makeup most of your population is is south because when you get yeah. farther when you get farther north there's not a lot out there there's not a lot um, there no yeah there's some interesting stat it's like i, I don't know 80 percent of our population is within 100 miles of the american border right uh yeah I you know calgary and edmonton here in alberta are the rare real cities that aren't right near the border right every other yeah. major city in you know in canada is right near the border yeah it's quick, I mean, you just, but you think about that. So you still have a, ver, a majority of your country is still considered frontier. Um, you could consider frontier. Yeah. It's wilderness, yeah. farm, wilderness, farmland, I mean, wilder and wilderness. Yeah. So and, and it's mean, funny. A lot of Canadians don't even realize how much wilderness is in Canada. Uh, it's just, it's almost never, it's almost infinite. I always joke about that. I'm like, we have an infinite amount of yeah. wilderness, you know, I mean, not that I mean, I'm advocating think, mistreating the wilderness, of course. No, no. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean but basically, if you drop me just because you want to mine, you know. Yeah. Oh, you've I mean, been up to the Northwest Territories? No, I'm just saying, if basically, oh, okay. if you were to drop me in the Northwest Territory, I'm going to be looking for the closest gun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I just, I just yeah. am. <laughs> Are we looking between? Going, hey, these bears up here are way bigger than the ones we got in Montana. <laughs> Yeah, well, we, you know, uh, I think Alaska probably has the biggest bears in North America, I think. But, um, yeah. you know, we have our grizzlies are very, are very large. They, you're not fighting that off without, uh, you know, if you have bear spray, maybe, or a gun and you get some good shots on target. That's the only way you're defending against a grizzly bear. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, but I mean, that's, that's the thing is, I mean, you think about things like that front, you know, where you have that whole, still i mean it's still a very rugged wilderness up there yeah um i mean that's like you know you bring up alaska alaska's got the very much the same makeup you have people mm -hmm. on the coast but once you get yeah. inland man all you know it's you're on your own um yes yeah uh, there's no rescue there's no, there's no, no rescue. quick rescue. I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad you got a satellite phone man a piper cub might be there in a week yeah. <laughs> how long, how long yeah. can you hold out yeah. So yeah, in Alberta, yeah. we're we're kind of blessed actually because the oil field industry has built a lot of roads, right? Most of yeah. our wilderness is accessible through old oil roads, uh, or or not old, like it can be active or or abandoned oil roads, and um, uh, it'll it allows for a lot of access to the backcountry. Um, it can up north in the mountains not so much oil in the mountains but um there's uh, there has been a lot of forestry in the past still some uh 
And so, yeah, there's pretty good access actually in, in Alberta here. Well, it's funny you bring up the forestry because a lot of the lumber in the United States is actually coming from Canada. Yeah, um, mostly I mean, from that's a huge, from the province of BC. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a huge export from your country to us. Um, yeah, because because we like to build things all over the place down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, we are running up against uh, about an hour of recording. Okay, yeah. Um, I want to I want to give you a chance to let people know how to get you, get a hold of you here because I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring your Instagram page up. Um, okay. Let's see here. If I, 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 I don't know, I'm really I'm becoming computer challenged today for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you've said you're in IT, right? So I am. Yeah, I've been in IT for make over 25 work, years. Um, uh, I think, I, God, we did, we did a lot of yard work today. And um, I think I'm just tired. Um, there we go. So on Instagram here. All right. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, it's Calgary underscore guns. And uh, I, I just put up uh, pictures and videos of me and my family having some and friends having some fun with, with our uh, firearms in a safe manner. We don't do anything too crazy, but uh, lots of, it's not like watching demolition ranch. <laughs> not like, no. Not like Demolition Ranch. Uh, not that you know. Not that it's. I, I love watching Demolition Ranch, and I, I, it's, we have shot pumpkins in the past, and uh, well, your we had a video up on that one. Yeah, the pump action spiced latte video. Yeah, spiced latte. <laughs> I had my daughter that one. It was actually it. It was her first time shooting a shotgun, and her first shot was a bullseye right in the middle of the pumpkin. It was perfect. Oh, that's awesome. That was a good one. Her second and third shot, not the, not so hot, but <laughs> still That's still awesome. nicked it. Yeah, you got your SKS spiked into the ground. The SKS, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh. Yeah. So you know, everybody there, and there's I'm the cooking, have... the cooking with Jeff right there. Yeah, there's the cooking with Jeff right there. Um, yeah, the pop. That's the pistol. The pop gun. The, the pop gun. Yeah, the pop gun. Up. Yeah. Oh my that's God. from that... uh, that's from Silverwood Amusement Park there in Idaho. We bought that the, pump, the pop gun there. Yeah, that was funny. Was, I saw that and I just started issuing one grand. The grand, uh, yep. yeah. So that it, it's funny. My grand, it really it's a Frankenstein. So I got the the Italian receiver. Uh, that's a Winchester um, trigger group. A lot, lots of Springfield parts. Um, yeah, I, I have a spreadsheet where I tracked everything because it's it's uh, a lot of stuff from all over. Gosh, that's a that's so cool to see to see that. I I, I the, the grand is um, that's just really close to the heart. Mine is actually currently down. I'm having I'm having. I like to say my grand is 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 a gun. It's a love hate relationship with that gun. Oh yeah. Um, I got it, shot it a little bit. It it needed work, right? And I knew that when I bought it. Uh, I put some work into it and lost interest in it. And twenty years later, picked it up, made that thing you know, work, working really great. And now the barrel, hmm. the, the barrel shot out of it. One of the oh, worst okay. things that one of the worst things I got here in the shop is a bore scope. And when oh, you get okay. a bore scope, it completely ruins your life. Cause you're like, 
<laughs> you're looking at every barrel, right? And it's like oh, no. every barrel going. Yeah, I'm going to be yanking that. I just got a barrel wrench for uh, an action wrench for an M1 Garand, so I'm going to be yanking that barrel off uh, soon to rebarrel it. Are you trying to get a like a, a correct period barrel, or are you going to put a new one on? I don't know yet. Um, I, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking about getting a, a correct period one, but. I'm, I'm it depends torn. if you want it to be a collector or a shooter, right? If you're wanting to shoot well, it, I, I, my barrel's from Criterion. They make it, it's been really good. I know there's a few other companies down there that make them as well. I, it's funny because uh, Criterion is one of the barrels that I'm thinking about for it, but mm -hmm. I just don't know. It, it, I, I'm de my problem is, is I'm debating on um, since I'm a content creator, I, you know, and I, I do content creation on on gunsmithing stuff. I'm just debating on whether I'm going to completely tear that rifle down, strip it down, and reparkerize it. Oh, okay, and if wow. I do, yeah. If I'm going to do it with a correct barrel, and if I do, oh, or do I just want to start shooting this gun again? I, I, I'm I'm torn, right? Yeah. Um, I've I've got an ammo can full of surplus uh, thirty out six. That oh, wow. um, that's not too I'm common now. Itch, no, oh, I've had it a long time. Um, okay. I used to live in Maryland, and uh, uh, um, just a half hour away was Aberdeen Proving Grounds, which is right. Where uh, the yeah, US I Army worked down there. Uh, yeah. Did you? Okay, so you know yeah. Aberdeen. I work for a defense um, contractor, so yeah, I, you know, I've been around awesome. a few places. <laughs> so, so uh, a guy used to have the contract to clean up the range, all the ranges oh, wow. from the brass and stuff, and then. Right. So from the machine guns, you know, they just slap those belts over, pull the handle, and four or five bolts fall off. They don't right. care. Well, right. this guy would take those bullets and delink them <laughs> and sell them as surplus ammo. Nice. Um, so I have, a, I have an ammo can of that from, gosh, that was back in the 90s. I bought that, um, which you wonder if you really should shoot that ammo through an M1 Grand. Um, um, mm, yes, the, about, the never-ending debate on grand ammo, right? Yeah. So I'm debating on. Uh, I, I figure since it's ball ammo from the government, should be okay. It's not like it's a high-pressure yeah. uh, hunting round, but I'm, right. I still think there, there's the get. There's a little cap that you can put on the front of your of your gas. Right. The adjustable. The adjustable. The adjustable. Gas. Uh, I'm thinking about well, putting an adjustable on just just in case. What's the name of that part? I, everyone always calls that a gas cap, but that's not the actual. I know. Name. What is it? Uh, it's I the don't know. Gas cylinder lock screw. That's what it is. The gas yeah. cylinder lock screw. Yeah. Yeah, you can get the adjustable so, one. I know the CMP kind of says um, as long as your ammo meets Sammy specs, it should be okay. It should be okay. So that's oh. you know that's kind of their position on that, but I, it's not going to hurt to put a, an adjustable gas. Uh, no, sorry. Gas yeah, cylinder lock screw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna hurt for. Yeah. And that's one of one of the reasons I picked 308 for my Garand when I when I bought a new barrel. If anyone who doesn't know, the only difference between 306 and 308 on a Garand is the barrel. That's the only difference. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one, there's no debate on 308 ammo. You put anything in there and it doesn't care. It's, yeah. uh, and I also had an ammo can full of 308. So uh, there you go. And 306 oh, and up here, man, you're. If you find 30 out six for two dollars around, you're doing you're doing real good. So. Wow. 
Wow. That's yeah. uh where's 308? You can still get well, I'm actually shooting 762 by 51. 51. I'm not shooting yeah. 308, but anyway. I've got uh it's why I'm sitting there looking at um I've got some 762 by 51. I got some 308. I even have um I love I love this ammo. Um so I have some old uh some older before the, the band. Uh Russian Bernal. Uh, 308, you know, 760 oh, yeah. by 51. I, I love that ammo because it's so damn dirty, right? And when I, you can really and people smell don't understand, shoot, hey? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not that, it's just that, um, there are times where I will test like cleaning products. So I'll take my 308 AR and I will shoot that ammo through it until that AR will just stop cycling. Yeah. Um, wow. And then, like, okay, cool. Now it's time to clean, and it's just so dirty. <laughs> and it's like, all right, let's see how well this product actually does. Yeah, that's that's like our SKSs with the Chinese surplus. Yep. Uh, I I don't think I've ever actually got my SKS fully clean. Like, I have a big pile of dirty patches, and I'm like, well, it's clean enough. It's still okay. Yeah. <laughs> You do have to definitely get those salts out of it from the corrosive primers. But, you yeah. know, once you get that out, you know, SKSs are designed to run dirty, really. Yeah. It, well, it's like it's like a Glock, right? I mean, the Glocks yeah. are just going to run. Um, I mean, that's really – I joke around and say that's the difference between an AR and an, and, and an AK. Yeah. You know, and an AR, you're going to you're gonna have to put some, some time into cleaning. That AK – Man, you can take some boot laces and put it in a motor oil and run it through the barrel. It's good. It's going to run. <laughs> motor oil on a boot lace. It's a, yeah. a new uh, impromptu boar snake. Uh, yeah, exactly. That thing will run. So, yeah. uh, well, I like to wrap up with a speed round with you. Okay. Now, I joke around because the speed round is supposed to be fast, but usually adds 20 minutes to the podcast. Right. Um, so, I'm going to start off with, with, uh, with one of my pet peeves. Hearing protection, earplugs or muffs? Well, uh, that's another one of those ones. Probably depends where I am. I, I actually just picked up a new set I haven't tried out of Surefire uh, earplugs. Uh, the Canadian Army up here uses them, and uh, it kind of – I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they they don't yeah. take batteries or anything, but they nope. they act almost like, you know, electronic – yeah, because, there's like a there's like a diaphragm in them. Yeah, yeah. That, so it provides the second, minimal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it provides minimal protection until impact. there's loud sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like you get this loud impulse of sound, and that diaphragm yeah. like so, becomes solid, and then right it becomes yeah yeah. So I'm gonna now, try those out, but uh, indoor indoor 100. I'm using muffs. No no, yeah. no question. But man. I, I muffs have been annoying me. I can't get a proper cheek weld on my shotgun with muffs. No. And, uh, nope. yeah. So, yeah, yeah I've got, so, so for me, I've got a little, a, a little bit of hearing loss. I'm starting to lose my hearing. So hearing protectors become really big with me. Um, mm -hmm. and then, um, especially being in it going in and out of server rooms that are really loud. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, and we, we do. We don't wear hearing protection in there. We can we're yell, we're yelling at each other, and you're right, right next to the person. But um, yeah, I've got a new set of hearing protection. This stuff, these things, I'm not gonna lie, man. These things are expensive, but they're so comfortable. Um, uh, these things are like twenty four hundred dollars. Wow. Um, 
They're they're, yeah. expensive. they're they're basically hearing aids that they've modified to be uh, to suppress the sounds, but they're mm -hmm. molded to your ear, so they're so comfortable and there's no. Are they sound custom? Pitch. They're custom molded. They're custom. Yeah, right. custom molded. Yeah. And then what's really cool is I got to send a, you know from my hearing test. I send my hearing test to them. They programmed the electronics for my hearing. Loss. Oh wow! To match your so, the frequencies you have lost at. Yep. Right. Uh, wow. it's, that's that's really good. But, yeah. Right. They got to do something for twenty four hundred dollars, though, right? Um, <laughs> you do. Yeah. Trust me, you do it's not lose one dollar per they hertz, are. basically, right there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. I, hearing, hearing protection gets to be kind of a, a big thing. But I, I get you with the with you know shooting the long guns. I, I like. Don't get me wrong. I like muffs. I've been shooting with muffs since I was a kid. Yeah. But you just can't. You can't get that cheap weld and. Um, yeah. and then I hate You're it. Dislodging like, the muff and then it's not providing the protection it should. Yeah. Yeah. You lose the seal. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Moving on. Okay. That wasn't too quick. Nine, okay. Next one. Nine millimeter or 10 millimeter? Oh, geez. I don't have 10 millimeter. I'm all, my handguns are all nine or 22. Nine millimeter okay. or 22 caliber. Uh, but yeah, you know what? That's something. It, it was. You know, we have a ban on handguns, on purchase of handguns in Canada now. That was something that was on my wish list was uh, a 10 millimeter, because I know a, a lot of 10 millimeters, you can also shoot um, a 40 Smith & Wesson out of, right? Yeah. So that well, was kind of, yeah, that was, it, yeah the, the 40, 40 Smith & Wesson is, is, is 10 short. Yeah, it's basically a 10 short, as long as you have a, a good solid um, uh, extractor, because, yeah. you know, it's not head spacing properly, right? So. Well, uh, that, it, that's been something on, on my gun. kind of wish list. Yeah. Depending on the gun that you have, you can switch uh, barrels and slides. Right. Yeah. Uh, like on the on the Glocks, you would take uh, the forty five calibers and switch them over to ten. Um, on the on the nine millimeters, you can change nine millimeter to forty, um, and, oh, okay. and three fifty seven sig. Um, but hmm. yeah, it's a. Uh, well, we can still buy barrels for handguns here. So, you know, that's something you, you can look at. I know my friend has a 40 Smith & Wesson. It like, eh, it's a Smith & Wesson Sigma. So, like, their very first the polymer yeah, handgun. The that's, and, uh, that's the one that Glock sued them over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it'd be interesting if you, he could get a different caliber barrel for that. Because 40 Smith & Wesson costs quite a bit more to shoot the 9mm. So. He should be able to change that over to um, just change if he can find a nine millimeter slide and barrel. He should mm -hmm. be able to just change that slide right out. Yeah. There's a lot of times if you have a forty, they make a conversion barrel. Right. Because um, I used to run those in Glocks. Um, so you know people would buy a forty, but you can buy a nine millimeter conversion barrel. These are mostly in, in yeah in the Glocks. You just change out to this conversion barrel. So the conversion barrel is the same. Diameter of the forty so it fits barrel. in the same slide, so it fits in the same slide, mm. and it just it's just a smaller you know chamber and, and barrel in there for right. the, for the nine millimeters. Um, hmm. So there's a there's there's some yeah maybe that's do. something to look into. Probably have to you may have to import it, but that's not a problem. We have yeah. importers that'll bring that stuff up. Yeah, yeah. usually barrels aren't a problem. Um, yeah. So, all right. So we did uh, we did uh, the nine millimeter. We did the caliber. All right. So. So since you, I know you have both these calibers, 308 or 762 by, uh, by 30, 34. 39. Oh, 39. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know if you can see on my shelf. I have both sitting there. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's another one. Like I, I, with caliber, really, it, it really is about what you're doing, right? And seven six two by thirty nine up here is really cheap to shoot. So I I definitely shoot more of that. But if you're out hunting or something, definitely I'd I'd go with three hundred eight. Yeah, or long range shooting. You know, whatever. Yeah. I, I love the 308 in my Garand. It shoots very nice. <laughs> yeah. 308's just a great all-around caliber. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it, king of long range for forever, right? Until, I don't know, 10 years ago or whatever. So, yeah, until so you start getting the 6.5 Creed Moors, the 6 Creed yes. Moors, all the PRC rounds. Yeah. But, yeah, 308 was um, it was just great all-around. And what's funny is is it uses, if you're a reloader, it uses the same bolts as the uh, 30-06. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So. Pistol or rifle? Yeah. You know what? I just got into pistols not that long ago. Uh, I guess three years ago, I think I got, I got my restricted license and bought some handguns. Uh, and yeah, they're a lot of fun in Canada. We're not allowed to use them for anything other than sport shooting. So we can't even take them for wilderness protection unless you're like a, a trapper or a or a or a outfitter yeah outfitters are allowed they get a special license right so uh yeah, i'd have to go with rifle just because of that I'll because, Canada. You, you, yeah it's more it, it makes perfect sense because yeah. you're going to go with something you can use the most out of yeah yeah exactly so. yeah all right and then for your last question which is what i like to call the thinking question <laughs> i'm gonna walk you in and i'll with you being in Canada, well, it's it's a stupid question anyway. Let's just assume that you can own everything that's in right. this warehouse. Yeah, I'm going to take you to the world's largest warehouse, and you can own anything in there. If thing, if this thing has ever thrown a projectile out of it, it could be Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way out to <laughs> the deck gun on the Missouri. Right? If it's ever shot a projectile, whether it's been production or it was just an experimental firearm. One of those is in there. I go, Jeff, you can have one, just one of anything. What hmm. would you walk out with? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of guns on my wish list. Uh, uh, I'd say a runner up would be definitely a historic gun, like maybe a Springfield trapdoor, something like nice. that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, honestly, I'd probably say the FN Foul. In a big part because they are prohibited in Canada and we can't get them. Uh, so um, for that reason, and also it has a lot of history in Canada. The Canadian Army yeah. had that as their main rifle for a long time. Uh, and uh, it's just a really a cool gun that a lot of veterans have had a lot of use with, right? So, yeah. Well, if you think about it, anything um, anything within, you know, Britain, the FN Fowl was huge for, for Britain. Yeah. So, yeah. All the, um, all the it, Commonwealth it, countries, yeah, all, all yeah, all the them, Commonwealth yeah. countries. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of like for uh, all the U.S. territories, the you know the the AR and the M16, or yeah. you know that's our go-to. So yeah, and the M14, kind of yeah, M14. But yeah, no, I can see that. I could, I could, I, I've a foul is definitely on one of one of my my wish lists. Um, yeah, I, I like that. It's if if nothing else. Other than kicking the magazine out through the front of them when you do the reloads, you take the other magazine, just kick it, it just kind of flips out through the front and put your next one in. Just jam the next one um, in, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so, I think um, there's more Canadian FN fouls in the states than there are in Canada because the army when they retire them they they destroyed them all, right? Uh so I, I think some of them were given to police forces and some of those have found their way into the states, right? Um but primarily they're all destroyed, so that's kind of unfortunate for us here. I'll, I I just you know, when you see your own your own country's heritage being actively destroyed, it just uh just yeah, hurt. it really well, hurts yeah. me to see. Yeah. Well, that's like um, um, when uh, when Obama was in office down here, he was destroying inland grants. It's so it's crazy. Like, what? Why are you destroying that gun? <laughs> it's yeah. good. Like, yeah. You don't destroy inland grants. <laughs> I mean, it's part of our yeah. heritage. You know, yeah. like yeah. It, by yeah. our, I mean your, not Canada. It's not yeah. part of Canada's yeah. heritage, but. Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things of um yeah, it's it's hard to see. It, it's definitely yeah. hard to see those those guns get destroyed. So well anyways, Jeff Bag, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, letting us learn a little more about the uh about the gun culture up there in Canada. Yeah. Well, it was awesome and I enjoy enjoyed our time here, yeah. I so did I. Jeff's a super nice guy to talk to, man. It was really great to see his opinion of what's going on up there in Canada, because like I said in the intro, this could happen to us. I mean, they're, they're going to try it. They, they try to take our rights away from us all the time. And man, it's, it's, it's kind of scary what's going on up there. And it's probably not beyond the possibility of them trying to do something like that down here with our gun rights. So make sure you pay attention to what's going on, not just here, but with our neighbors, because let's face it, you know, we all heard about how Australia had gun control figured out. I brought an Australian on. He told you how bad it is. We hear politicians going, hey, Canada's got this thing figured out. Well, we got a Canadian on. You see what's going on here. These Our politicians are just copycats, right? So definitely make sure you are fighting for your rights. Now, for the product of the podcast, it is this product. I know it's heavy because it has actually got a rifle in there. Um, that is the covert specialist from my friends over at Saver Equipment. This thing's really cool, man. I got a video. The reason why this is sitting here on the bench is because I'm getting ready to film a video on it. It's going to come out, well, in a little while's. A little while out so keep your eye on it because this thing is really cool man i got a an ak in there and it's got pockets and it's got all kinds of really cool things so go check that thing out i have a link down below if you're watching on youtube click that right there that video is about leather level two retention holsters for everybody else there's a link down below thanks for listening hope you're staying safe out there and I look forward to talk to you again soon